Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. What's good, everybody? Welcome to another off-day debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero alongside Brandon Lee Gowton. We want to remind you that SB Nation and the NFL show are brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNNFL only at DraftKings. Mr. Gowton, good morning to you, sir. Stats, I am, you didn't ask, but I'm doing well. And how could I not be when uh, I have uh, the promo code SBN NFL on DraftKings Sportsbook app in my life? Um, so excited about that. Also excited to be here with you to talk about all things NFL from week eight. And there is plenty to discuss. Before we get into all of it, want to remind you, please rate, review, and follow the SB Nation NFL show. If you're already subscribed, that is awesome. We appreciate it. But if you haven't left us a rating and a review, you're really, you're really letting us down a little bit, okay? Like we just, just take 30 seconds, throw the rating in the review. Mario Cap does like one a week. Uh, you could find the time, right, BLG? If you're not rating and leaving a review are you really even listening some would say (laughs) so please please do that for us it makes a big difference we have like i said a lot of news today and there could be more because today is the nfl trading deadline uh that deadline occurs at 4 p.m eastern time uh we're going to keep an eye on twitter throughout the whole show today we are recording this around quarter after nine in the morning east coast time so we'll keep an eye and see if anything happens I didn't think anything was going to happen yesterday, BOJ, and then all of a sudden, bam, Von Miller gets traded to the Rams. That's kind of the nature of the deadline, I guess, stats, is uh, things can happen uh, at any moment. We see all these names rumored, you know, from like Ian Rappaport or Adam Scepter or whatever, and I feel like a lot of times none of those guys even get moved, <laughs> and it's, uh, it can be a move that just kind of just pops and uh, yeah, it's an exciting time in somewhat, but maybe uh, as we record this year on the trade deadline day at 9 13 a.m uh maybe it'll be lackluster because that also happens a lot in the nfl maybe some of the the big moves are already done you know like zach Ertz was already moved joe True. flacco uh, a big lackluster <laughs> name was already moved uh <laughs> and uh von miller was already moved so maybe everything is kind of done and we won't see anything i don't know how no matter what happens we will have you covered here on the sp nation nfl show all right we're going to talk about the monday night football game chiefs and giants kansas city gets the narrow victory uh, we're going to do the our look at the only 100% accurate power rankings, which you have put together for us once again. And we remind you, you can always go check those out on BleedingGreenNation.com, and you should because they're one of the best and smartest things that I have seen written across the SB Nation <laughs> NFL network. And then we're going to give out our MVP and LVP points as well. So let's start with Monday Night Football, BLG. 
I mean, this was primed, right? Like we're people are sitting there waiting for the Chiefs to somehow find a way to lose this game so that they can come out with their hot their Chiefs hot takes about Mahomes and Reed and how it's a disaster. That doesn't happen. Kansas City does just enough. They get the 20 to 17 win, or as you would like to say, it's a moral loss, right? <laughs> I mean, it's not good. Like, <laughs> are you really feeling great? Coming out of this game, if you're a Chiefs fan, I mean, ultimately, they got the win, which is most important. And as I've kind of been saying before, especially with RJ, um, I don't remember why we were talking about this, but we were for some reason. And like the Chiefs are not dead and buried by any means because they have Patrick Mahomes and they have Andy Reid, who, uh, as I know stats, as he did with the Eagles quite a, a number of times, when the Eagles kind of looked left for dead, uh, he would bring them back to life and he'd have them go on a run late in the season. They'd go into the playoffs hot. And they'd fail to win the Super Bowl. But, you know, they'd be there. You know, it wasn't like, <laughs> hey, things are they're four and eight and things are they're just done. Uh, so like that's the important thing. But, man, um, Patrick Mahomes has to play a lot better than he is right now. Stats. He has more interceptions than touchdown passes in his last three games. Patrick Mahomes are talking about here and also uh, two lost fumbles in that stretch as well. So um, not really uh, saying anything that we don't know that Mahomes you know, doesn't look quite like Patrick Mahomes were used to. And the, as a result, the Chiefs as a whole don't look like the Chiefs. Um, so it's kind of a weird game for them. Definitely a weird game, although it's becoming less weird, right? It's kind of becoming the norm this season. We're halfway through the year, basically. It's week nine. There's 18 weeks in the regular season. Like, this is obviously a massive, massive problem. And it reminds me, and I don't know this about you, actually. Are you a big baseball fan? Uh, I don't like to... Uh, point out that the Phillies have the longest uh, playoff drought in baseball, I think. No, not uh, even close. Okay. Who is it? The Mariners? the Mariners, and they have the oh. longest playoff drought in North American professional sports. So, okay. Well, there you go. That shows you how much I pay attention to well, baseball. It, this reminds me of baseball because there are just some years in baseball where guys, for whatever reason, Never get going. They hit like 50 points below their career batting average or they, you know, their ERA is up a couple of runs just for the whole season. It just something just doesn't go right. And then the next year they come back and they're right back to the to their historical, you know, values to the back of the baseball card. They get right back and everything is fine. That usually doesn't happen in football. I mean, we're talking about Patrick Mahomes here, a guy that threw 50 touchdowns in a season and now he cannot stop turning the football over or at least putting it in harm's way. And it's, it's the great equalizer. It is absolutely killing them. So the first interception he had or his interception, you know, in the, in the, uh, in the end zone there, like, I think that was kind of a microcosm of the issues with him this season. Like just trying to do a little too much, man. Like I know you're Patrick Mahomes and I know, you know, you're Patrick Mahomes and you're <laughs> capable of doing these amazing things. But I think that actually hurts him sometimes because he's trying to make this spectacular heroic play. And obviously there's times where you need your quarterback to do that, but it can't be every play. Like sometimes you have to just like, okay, I'll take a sack here. We'll get the field goal and we'll live to see another day. Like you don't have to force it. And I just thought that was kind of a ridiculous throw, you know, like where he jumps up in the air and he's trying to get a you know, ball and coverage and everything. Um, so that's kind of my issue right now is I, I think he's just trying to do a little too much. And it's why I said on last week's show with, with Ben Solak that like, I thought there could have been value to Andy Reid benching him in that blowout and kind of being like, hey, Patrick, like sit down, realize that you're doing a little too much. We need to kind of rein it in a little bit and get this thing back on track. Yeah, it's almost like his greatest strength is his greatest weakness, right? Like he can make any <laughs> throw in any play. But the problem is 
he can make any throw in every and any play. So he never rules anything out, right? Like, oh, you're rolling to the sideline. Let me do a jump sidearm pass. Like, yeah, I can do that. And he can. That's the crazy thing. But, you know, a lot of times those plays turn into disasters, as we've seen uh, with some other quarterbacks around the league. Cough, cough, Carson Wentz, cough, cough. Uh, so Kansas City, we're going to find out about him, BLG, because their next three games, Packers, Raiders, Cowboys, and then the mm. bye week. So we are going to feel a lot differently about this Kansas City Chiefs team by the time they have the bye than we do now. I don't, I mean, here's the thing. They could go 3-0 in those games, right? You wouldn't be stunned. They could go 0-3. Anything can happen, and I wouldn't be shocked because I never know which Chiefs team we're going to see. So, yeah, to this point, it's always like the Chiefs struggle, but then they get an NFC's team. They kind of pick themselves up like they did <laughs> against the Eagles, like they did against the Washington football team, mm-hmm. like they did uh, against the New York Giants last night. So uh, not the case. You know, the next NFC's team they have to play is obviously a lot better than the other ones. Um, yeah, it's this is this is the measuring stick. This is the litmus test for them at this stage. We're kind of going to see, you know, like, are these struggles here to stay? Um, it, it's a big stretch for them. What do you think they go in this stretch? Oh man, I think they're they're not going to go winless, right? But I, honestly, I think they could go one and two. I really wouldn't yeah. be surprised if they were a team that wasn't the Kansas City Chiefs, right? We would look at their schedule and call them paper tigers. We absolutely would. Their win in Week One over the Browns is looking worse and worse as as the season goes along, and their other wins, like you said, Eagles, Washington, Giants. NFC East teams. That's it. Anytime they've played a good team other than Cleveland, they lost. So, you know, I don't want to call them paper tigers because I don't think they are because they're still the Chiefs. They still have Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. But if if it was like a blind test and you gave me their numbers and those statistics, I kind of would say that they are. Uh, what about flipping it around to the Giants? That's what did you take away from them from this game? <laughs> they're they're such a disaster. Like <laughs> they cannot get out of their own way daniel jones is a turnover machine i know he can make some plays but man i just i have no faith in him in a big spot at all that they're just i'm not on the joe judge train i don't like the way their team is put together i don't think dave gettleman knows what the hell he's doing i think they got a clean house with the giants and i i have no confidence in them to turn it around like i don't even see a glimmer of hope Yes, that's. I agree that uh, things are looking pretty bleak for the what two and six now Giants. Who, like, you can't look at this game as like a moral victory for them. Like they they played close, and that's in like a vacuum in a one game sample. Okay, you know they're they're worst losses to have. But when you add the context of their like the worst team in the league, tied with the Jets still now because the Jets won for like the worst record in the NFL since twenty seventeen, like eventually the wins have to come. It doesn't mean anything. Like it's not like Joe judge is building something here because you have a moral victory, quote unquote, against the giants. I thought our good friend, uh, Ed Valentine uh, from big blue view said that well uh, at his site, it's just like, like people might want to, you know, feel good from this game because they played them close, but you can't because like, that's, that's not where the giants are right now. It's not like they're, uh, you know, like the Jaguars, let's say, you know, are rebuilding and they're really, or like the lions and they're just like terrible. And it's like, Hey, we played the chiefs close. That's like something like, no, like the giants are beyond that. Um, they're in a stage where they need to get the actual wins and they're not. And it doesn't look like they're about to in the near future. I completely agree with you. I'll be interested to see, what happens there after the season if they decide to make a move, if they stick with Gettleman and Joe Judge again? I mean, if you're a Giant fan, like how hopeful would you be if John if John Mara came out and said, hey, we're we're sticking with him. I'm giving him the old vote of confidence. Like I know how you would feel as an Eagle fan, right? You'd be yeah. thrilled. I've long said 
Dave Gettleman is my favorite GM in the <laughs> NFL because uh, I know he's going to keep the Giants bad. And he's made like uh, one good move or two here and there. But uh, obviously, the, on the whole, it's really bad. And also Joe Judge. Come on, man. Like he's complaining about headset issues. He is cowardly and does takes a field goal from what? The five yard line, fourth and two or fourth and Athletic. three. Um, it's just like that's not how you beat the Chiefs, man. Like he had some long explanation after the game justifying it too. And I was reading through it and I'm like, this is just, no, like it's not this complicated. It's like, you're playing the right. chiefs. You need points, get them, like do everything <laughs> you can. Not like, Oh, we have to take the points. Like, no, you need to maximize your scoring opportunities and time. And this isn't like a one-off too. This is time and time again with him where he isn't aggressive. And like, it's, it's funny too, because Joe Judd's talks like a tough game and he's like, you know, he's Mr. Discipline and everything. And, uh, you know, after the Eagles tank, whatever, at the end of last season, he's like, we would never do that. And it's like, <laughs> you're like, OK, yeah, you don't have to. I mean, you, you stink and you're, you're not even going to go for it when the game is on the line. Like, come on. I will never understand. Like, do these coaches know that touchdowns are worth twice as much as field goals? Like, I, I don't know that they like have figured out that easy math, but until they do, they're going to keep making dumb mistakes like that. I agree. Sorry, Giants fans. It's not looking good for Big Blue right now. Let's take a break. When we come back, we will get into the only 100% accurate power rankings in the NFL podcast kingdom and our MVP and LVP points of the week. This is the off day debrief on the SB Nation NFL show. All right, BLG, you have been in the lab all week processing, formalizing, which I don't even know is a word, but you've definitely been doing it. You have come out with the only 100% accurate power rankings for week nine. And again, you can see the entire power rankings on bleedinggreennation.com. They are there for you. I highly recommend you stop by and read it. It is fantastic. As always, I will read the top 10 and then we can get into some different things. Number one, the Rams. Number two, the Bills. Number three, the Packers. Followed by the Cardinals at four. Cowboys at five. Buccaneers at six. Titans are at seven. The Baltimore Ravens are at eight. Cincinnati is at number nine. And the New Orleans Saints at mm. number 10. What was the toughest choice in the top 10 for you, BLG? Uh, good question. Um, I think it had to be. Uh, I mean, there's some weirdness at the top because, like, the Bills didn't look great against the Dolphins. No. The game was tied for a while. But, like, I moved them up two spots in part because I still think they have a case to be the top team uh, in the NFC. And, obviously, the Cardinals lost. So, there's kind of – In the a, AFC. Some, yeah. Or what, yeah. I, I am NFC-brained over here. <laughs> uh, my NFC East slash NFC bias showing. Yeah, so that was kind of like – I didn't feel great about that, um, but I had to do it. Um, elsewhere, I would say uh, the Titans, like – they're the top. They're the number one seed today. You know, if the play, if the season ended today, they'd be the number one seed in the AFC. Or and then they they've had some really impressive wins. I mean, they beat Buffalo. Um, they go and beat. They blow out the Chiefs. And now they not like officially, but like almost essentially lock up their division because they have a multi-game lead over the Colts. And now they have the head-to-head tiebreaker. Um, uh, and then lastly, I guess the moving the, the the Bengals down. You know, it's like what do I do with them after they lose to the Jets? Uh, let me drop them two spots. Wow, that's surprising. Lose to the Jets and lose to a backup quarterback. That's, yeah, they deserve to get dinged a little bit. You know, just when everybody was starting to believe in Cincinnati a little bit, they go and lose to the Jets and a backup quarterback. That's obviously not ideal. If you had told me that the Tennessee Titans would have the number one seed in the AFC halfway through the season, I never would have believed it. Are you 
with this Derrick Henry injury where he could possibly be out for mm. the year, but maybe can come back if they accelerate his rehab to a ridiculous degree. Do you think that Adrian Peterson can do enough to keep them afloat there? How much, how big of a deal is this for Tennessee? I wouldn't like sleep on AP. I know it sounds crazy. Like a 36 year old running back who wasn't even in the league, but like, obviously he's not going to be Derrick Henry, but I don't know. I still think that's like a good run blocking offensive line overall. And you know, Adrian Peterson gives you like a light version of what Derrick Henry can be in terms of like mm-hmm. a physical runner. So like, I think that's nice and that they totally don't have to like reshape their identity and start, you know, being this like the, the NFL's most pass happy team. All of a sudden, I still think they can, you know, have a functional run game, which I think matters to them. Um, I can't say it doesn't hurt. I mean, Derrick Henry's really good. <laughs> He's able to do things that a lot of NFL players Breaking can't news do. on the show. It's just like it's crazy, you know, for a running back to have that kind of impact on a team like he does almost like a quarterback like impact or at least as close as you're going to see maybe from a running back. Um, So I definitely think it hurts. And uh, I don't know. I don't think they're finishing the season, the regular season with that number one seed in the AFC. But I mean, again, they kind of almost have their division locked up. So I think Mm -hmm. they can do enough to at least have that. What about you? I think that I agree. I think Adrian Peterson will be fine. He's not going to carry their offense at 36 years old, but he he's one of these physical freaks. I remember the surgeon that did his ACL surgery said when they opened up his knee, he had never seen somebody with like a leg and a knee like Adrian Peterson because he's just like he's just <laughs> built differently than other dudes. And of course, he came back from that ACL and almost set the NFL record for rushing yards in a single season. So I think they'll be okay, but they have to get more out of Ryan Tannehill. You know, like I felt like this was kind of like a no excuses season for Tannehill. They make the trade, they get Julio Jones, they have AJ Brown. Obviously, Henry was still there. Like this was the season where you were really going to take a step forward. And I got killed for it because I didn't like the Julio Jones trade. And lo and behold, what has Mm. Julio Jones done this season? Diddly poo. (laughs) You know how many touchdowns Julio Jones has? The same number as I have, BLG. Zero. <laughs> Nobody wanted to, to hear it when I said it earlier in the year, but I'm saying it now because I was right, and I, I will never let people forget it. But they haven't gotten that much from Ryan Tannehill. So I think while the focus will be on Adrian Peterson, it should be on the quarterback because if your quarterback can't make consistent plays, you're not going to win. And I know they've been good so far, but I think it's going to get tougher from this point forward. Falcons really got killed for that trade too, right? I mean, everyone's like, how could you possibly trade Julio? Um, Especially because they, and I kind of get it too from like a weird standpoint of where the Falcons are. Not that we're really talking as much about Atlanta here, but, but Hey, I think credit to them and like knowing that he was cooked, having that information being like, Mm -hmm. we just have to get what we can and move on from that salary. It doesn't make sense to pay him that. Um, So, you know, kudos to the Falcons, I guess, who maybe did something right for once. Uh, But yeah, (laughs) uh, I think Tannehill, Look, you know, he's been like really efficient, obviously, in these these past few years. Um, But part of that is I think the pressure isn't on him to carry the team. Like there's a lot of pressure taken off him because they can rely on Derrick Henry. And I don't want to take credit away from Tannehill because I think he's making a lot of good throws um, or has made a lot of good throws in that time. Um, and kind of excels in that limited uh, that limited re- responsibility placed on him, uh, not having to carry the team with his arm. But, I mean, he has to step up, obviously, in this stretch. And I kind of think there's been some interesting talk, like, you know, it's like, oh, should the Titans trade for a running back now? And it doesn't, I guess it looks like they're not going to. You know, when you sign Adrian Peterson, I don't think he's coming, you know, out of not really retirement, but off the shelf um, to just be a backup or whatever. Um, but it's almost like, do they need to, you know, trade for a receiver and kind of add more in the passing game at this point? 
which is funny because you traded for Julio. <laughs> right. That's the last thing you would think that they would need to add, but who knows? We'll see. You know Brandon Cooks is going to get traded today because Brandon <laughs> Cooks seemingly gets traded every single season. Let's go to Tampa Bay and New Orleans, and I'm looping them together, obviously, because they played one another. You have the Saints at number 10 in your power rankings, and you have the Bucks at 6. This is a bad loss for the Buccaneers. You lose to the Saints. Jameis Winston goes down. His knee is basically shredded. Trevor Simeon is in the game because Taysom Hill's not there dealing with a concussion, and you can't beat the Saints? Like, that is a really, really bad loss. I know Tampa's good and Brady's good, of course, and all that, but, man, that's a game that if you want to be the number one seed in the NFC, you have to win that game. Yeah, I don't like. I don't think this loss means you know the Bucks are headed for troubles now. Like I think they're probably going to bounce back and be pretty fine. But like you just said, like that's what it comes down to. It's like this game might be the difference in costing you the number one seed, which we know has a ton of value. And look, Tampa didn't need it last year, but I also think, as I pointed out before, uh, that like they had a kind of unusually favorable path to the Super Bowl last year in terms of you get to play Taylor Henneke in the first round. And then um, the Packers were obviously uh, big cowards. Um, And who else did they beat? I can't remember. I always forget one of the games they played. Um, Oh, oh, like Drew Brees, like at the end of his rope, like can't do anything. So like, you know. (laughs) Uh, I don't think you're going to get that again this year. The NFC, I, I would say, is a lot better and like and very top heavy. So to not get that one seed could be a big deal. And uh, this this might be that loss that kind of prevents them from getting that. On the other side for New Orleans, now I admit I am an unabashed Saints hater, but I mm-hmm. have seen a ton of love for Sean Payton since he won this game, and everyone loves to keep touting his record without Drew Brees. And yeah. I just want to point out that like some of those games were at the end of Drew Brees' career when he was, we're not talking about him missing prime Drew Brees. We're talking about him missing washed Drew Brees. So the fact that he had another quarterback might have actually been a benefit to him <laughs> rather than a detriment. But he does deserve credit. They beat the Super Bowl champions with Trevor Simeon at quarterback. Like that is not nothing. And I don't think that he gets enough love as being a as creative and offensive mind as he is and the saints get the win obviously that was huge for them in their division as well that you know they're trying to catch up in that division they're five and two now just a game behind uh the bucks who are six and two so i i don't know that they're gonna win now we'll see what happens with Taysom hill but sean payton's got the saints in a position to be relevant uh, not to make it excuse any pun here stats, but you kind of have to give the Saints their flowers because uh, look, you know they've they've done well, and I think you crushed them. No one else. I think we all kind of crushed them <laughs> in the offseason when their plan was like either Taysom Hill or or Jameis Winston, and not doing a lot better than that. And like you said, I don't know where the Saints go from here if Trevor Simeon is starting the rest of the way. But man, you can't just say they're gonna like totally flounder and collapse. Like Sean Payton is a really good head coach, and it really stinks to admit that because he's not. I don't think he's a very likable uh, head coach or person, True. maybe, unless you're a Saints <laughs> fan, of course. Um, but I also think we need to give credit to Dennis Allen here, the Saints defensive coordinator. Who, like, yeah. uh, so I was looking back when the Eagles were interviewing him actually in the off season um, for their head coaching vacancy. And at the time, I had written down, like, the DVOA numbers for all the defenses he's overseen as a defensive coordinator. And started in 2012 when he oversaw the sixth-rated defense with the Broncos. And then he took over for on a a really bad uh, Saints staff after, you know, he got obviously fired from the Raiders. And they were really bad. Remember, like, it was once upon a time the Saints had, like, a terrible, terrible defense year in and year out. Is that the Rob Ryan Saints defense? Yes. 
And so when Dennis Allen took over as defensive coordinator in late November 2015, the Saints had the worst defense in the league by DVOA. Next season, 28th. But after that, he went 6th, 8th, 8th, and 2nd. And obviously, they're towards the top of the league again this year. Like He's overseen some really good defenses. Now they have good talent there, too. But still, like he's making the most of it. And I almost think like he should be in the mix for these coaching jobs in the offseason. I don't know. Um you know how trendy that is because he's a defensive guy but like my thought on that is like he's been around Sean Payton and if you're around that you're probably getting some kind of idea of what to do on offense or maybe you can bring some you know get a Saints assistant on the offensive side of the ball and kind of piece it together there and maybe he's learned from his mistakes with the Raiders and deserves a second shot so you know I think we talk about Sean Payton a lot and rightfully so but I think Dennis Allen deserves a lot of credit too. One more thing I want to get to before we get to our MVP and LVP points, BLG. There are calls in Indianapolis for Carson Wentz to be benched so that they do not have to give the Eagles a first-round pick. Are you sweating this thing out? No, that's not going to happen. Um, First of all, the Colts play like the, I believe, the Jags in the Jets next. So, or Jets on Thursday, and then the Jags after that. So, they're 3-5 and right now. That's like a feasible path back to five and five um so i don't think they're they're not benching him this week obviously so and again i don't think they're benching him uh anytime soon because it's carson wentz and carson wentz if they bench him carson wentz is gonna be done like carson wentz wants to play he doesn't care about this draft pick he wants to play i know that and the way it's shaping up so obviously I'm tracking this for bleedingarianation.com. I have a Carson Wentz uh, pick tracker and everything. Oh, um, busy. He's on, he's on pace to hit that 75% threshold, I believe, in week 13, which is right before their bye, and they play the mm-hmm. Texans in week 13. And now, too, with Derrick Henry going down, even though the Colts are behind the Titans because of the head-to-head tiebreaker and everything, I think they might be like, well, you know, it's not, it's not officially over. And then you just look at the nature of, like, things are kind of open in the AFC with the wild card. Like there's no, like, it's not like the NFC. Uh, then I, I think the Colts are not going to bench him before week 13. Like that's early December. Like Carson Wentz is getting benched before early December and they're just going to ride out like Sam Ellinger. No, I don't think that's going to happen. He had Carson Wentz had in back-to-back weeks, two of the most incredible interceptions I've <laughs> ever seen. And I guess one, the one against the 49ers is technically a fumble, which doesn't make any sense because he was clearly yeah. throwing the ball. But, I mean, he's dropping back last week and he's in the end zone and he he just chucks it up. And it's not high or far. It's just like a two-yard wobbler. Like, what is he do- How is he still doing this, BLG? With his left hand. <laughs> He's right-handed, by the way. And also, if you look at that play, you can see him, like, go to, like, kill it. Just, like, you know, send it into the dirt and just, like, get on to the next play. Like, usually quarterbacks do when a screen or something is blown up. You just, you know, clock it and you get to the next play. But, like, he tried to make something more out of it than it should be. In, and he faked the spike, thinking probably <laughs> he could, like, get the defenders off of him and then still maybe make something happen. And he... Instead, through a pick six. And I saw some of the most stupid reactions to this on Sunday. People were like, oh, actually, Carson Wentz made a smart play because if he took a safety, the game was over. So you're like, what are we talking about? Like, it's smart that he threw a pick six? No, it wasn't. It, the smart thing would have to do, like I said, would have been to clock it. Like any other quarterback would have done in that spot, and he re- feasibly could have done. I get that, like, Jonathan Taylor was knocked down on that play and is unfortunate, and there's been, like, questions about, like, was that really a good play call by Frank Reich in that position, like backed up against your own end zone to put your quarterback kind of in that spot. I mean, 
to me, that's all a little too like deflecting blame off Carson Wentz. Like he easily, like again, that's not like a tough play to make. That's like it seems like a routine <laughs> thing to do. And he and again, he almost did it, but he thought he knew better, as Carson Wentz often does. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't know when this like just again get on like kind of like Patrick Mahomes, like you mentioned earlier, or I mentioned earlier, doesn't know when to get on to the next play. So yeah, like come on, that's terrible. Unbelievable. Like the fact that he keeps doing it to me is like because I know when they go over it and film, they're in the meeting room. They're like, Carson, you, you can't, you got to stop this. Like, you can't keep doing this. And he still does it every single freaking week. It's unbelievable. All right. That's our look at the power rankings. Again, go to bleedinggreennation.com and check those out. It is time for our MVP and LVP points, BLG. I have two MVPs this week, and you have two LVPs. I will start with my first MVP point. I'm giving it to Bill Belichick. The old war horse still has some gas left in the tank. He is the boogeyman for Justin Herbert. The first time they played him, he whooped them 45 to nothing last year. They play last week. He holds Herbert to basically 50% completions, two interceptions, including a pick six. You know, the Patriots offense was kind of struggling. This was just a classic Bill Belichick game. Slow the other team down, get your five field goals, and find a way to get the win. It's a really good win for the Patriots, who are now three and one in their last four games, mm-hmm. and their sole loss was an overtime, obviously to the Cowboys. So that's pretty good. Um, you'll take that. Uh, and now New England has some more winnable games coming up. Their next three uh, at Carolina versus the Browns and at the Falcons. So you know they could go on a little run here. Um, I was very skeptical of them, and <laughs> kind yes, of you were kind of joking about how, but not fully joking about how Bill Belichick overrated. Um, and I still don't think that the Patriots are like close to being a juggernaut or something. And you know, obviously anything like the Tom Brady Patriots, but you know, looking competent. And uh, I think RJ said it well. I believe it was him on Monday Football Monday that like this was the best win of the post Tom Brady uh, Bill Belichick you know combo era. Do you think there's any way Bill Belichick loses to Trevor Simeon? Like, I don't think there's any way Bill Belichick loses to a third string quarterback. And I know that no, it doesn't settle the argument or anything. I'm just saying, you know, everybody wanted to say, oh, this proves that Brady's better than Belichick because he won the Super Bowl <laughs> last year. All of a sudden, Belichick's doing pretty good with a rookie quarterback and nobody wants to say boo about it. I just I think that's kind of messed up. Well, on that note, like I like to rant all the time about how like I just think it's crazy that we just talk about how it's like a definitively true thing that like teams effed up by passing on Justin Fields. I mean, no, why isn't anyone saying that about Mac Jones? Like Mac Jones looks pretty good. Um, and he wasn't amazing, you know, in this game against the Chargers. But on the whole, like you can play winning football with him. And I get like his ceiling might not be high. And I kind of believe that um, as Justin Fields or someone like that. But again, like pretty good quarterback. And hey, who said this after week one or after the preseason week one when we did our quarterback rankings? Who did who did we have at, the, at least I had at the top there? It was Mac Jones, and uh, he's proven me right. And he is proving that once again, I've never been wrong about anything. <laughs> he has clearly been the best looking quarterback in this rookie class. Although I do think Justin Fields played really, really well against the 49ers this week. But you've seen with Mac Jones growth from the start of the season to now. Now, like you said, last week wasn't his best game. I agree. But like I see him getting better and improving and doing the right things. That's what you really look for in a quarterback's rookie season. So credit to him, credit to McDaniels, credit to Belichick. Justin Fields, best game, what many are saying, 175 passing yards and an 11-point loss to a team that just won four games straight while at home. Okay, Just lost four games straight. Lost four games straight. I messed it up. I watched 
every snap of that game, he played very, very well. Okay. He he took what the Niners gave him in the first half. In the second half, they tightened up the coverage, and he made some incredible plays with his legs. That fourth down play, sure. I've I can't even like remember the last time I saw a quarterback make that kind of play. It might have been with Michael Vick. He rolls to his right. There's three defenders right there on fourth down. He breaks all three tackles, completely reverses field, and runs for a touchdown. And of course, the Bears missed the tying extra point right after that, so that kind of took the wind out of the sails. But that was an incredible, incredible play. He did rush for over 100 yards in the game, which you've conveniently left out of your analysis. I thought Fields played really, really well against the 49ers. Fields reversed field. How about he that? He did. It was very difficult to say, but I pulled it off. Uh, who's your first MVP or your uh, only MVP? This My week? sole MVP point goes to the aforementioned Sean Payton. I mean, it has to be. I mean, again, like that record, 12 and 3 without Drew Brees. I know you said it could be an upgrade at sometimes, but still, like, I don't know, man. You just look at what he's done with that team and how they're consistently, you know, in it. Um, I think it's really impressive. I think that's, you know, good coaching. A lot of coaches you could give excuses to when you're working with lesser talent or lesser quarterbacks like that, you would be like, Oh, it's not the coach's fault. Like he just doesn't have enough. Sean Payton isn't really making those excuses. He's getting results. And to beat the bucks like that is it's really, that's a, it's a big deal. And I don't, again, I don't know where the saints go from here, but I'm not going to just assume they're left for dead now. Cause they don't have Jameis Winston. Like, I don't think they're about to go on a championship run, whichever Simeon, but I mean, they could, they could make the playoffs. I assume that Taysom Hill, he's supposed to be back this week. I assume that he's going to be, the starter, although they might they might like having Taysom Hill do all those other, you know, weird responsibilities and stick with Simeon. Who knows? Uh, but Sean Payton clearly is a good coach and credit to the same. They didn't just beat the Buccaneers. They beat him yeah. by more than one score, too. Yep. Like that was an impressive, impressive win for Sean Payton. All right. My second MVP. And I'm doing this because I don't know that I'll ever get the chance to do it again this season. And mm. that is I'm going to the New York football Jets and I'm going to Mike White. <laughs> yes. 405 yards against Cincinnati, three touchdown passes. He caught a two point conversion. He set the NFL record BLG for most completions ever in a quarterback's first start drafted in 2018 <laughs> by the Cowboys. Never threw a pass in the NFL. 37 of 45 credit to him. He took plays. He took what was there, something that Zach Wilson has not done this season. The Jets actually look competent at points in this game. Give Mike White some love. Absolutely. Uh, I think your boy Bobby Sala stats has <laughs> I mean, two really good wins. I mean, to beat the Titans and to beat the Bengals. I know, you know, you said the Bengals, you know, taking a step back. But still, man, like those are for a team that has just like no talent. Like the Jets just totally mm -hmm. lack talent on that roster for them to get two wins over like really quality teams. Like that's that's pretty impressive, I think, given their their expectation and their standards. And so I, I have to give him some love too. obviously solid. But like, yeah, Mike White. And also, like, how kind of crazy is it that after the game, Salah's getting asked about Mike White, like potentially, you know, being the guy moving forward. Not obviously like, you know, just because of this one game and forever, uh -huh. but like didn't close the door on that. <laughs> I believe like, his exact quote was anything is possible. And that's that's what he should say. In fairness, like you don't just don't like if Mike White continues to kill it, which, you know, we'll see. You know, I'm not going to just yeah, assume we'll that's going to happen. But like the door should be open for him because if he does, then it doesn't matter that you spent the number two overall pick on Zach Wilson. You don't just play him because of that. You play the best player. And I think Salah knows that and he's sticking with that. And I think that's good for culture building too. play the best players.
I agree. I think it sends a good message to your team. I will say really quickly on Cincinnati, what did we say last week? We said, hey, you got this big win against the Ravens. You got a Browns game coming up in two weeks. Do not look past the Jets. Do not have a letdown game. And that is exactly what they did. All right. My LVP point this week, and it's pretty obvious, but I'm doing it anyway. It's the Miami Dolphins, the entire organization, GM, head coach, players. They are a complete disaster. If they didn't get the week one win over New England, people would be looking at them like the Lions. Like they're just awful. They can't do basic things on offense. They couldn't even execute a simple pass the other day with Mike Jasicki running across the formation. The snap hits him as he's crossing the center. Like they can't do anything. And this is not year one of a rebuilding project for Miami. This is supposed to be like, hey, the fruits of your labor. We're supposed to begin to see it. I don't know what's going on with their quarterback. I don't know what's going on with their offense. Jalen Waddle has not been impressive at all this year. Brian Flores is 16 and 24 in three years there. Like, mm. I'm sorry, the whole Dolphins organization, LVP. And if they weren't already in the pit of misery, I would have thrown them in the pit of misery. Pretty frustrating to kind of, you know, go through what they did in terms of tanking and everything. And I don't, I don't think that means they were wrong to do that. I just think like they, they had the right idea, but they clearly just didn't execute. Right. And a lot of it comes down to the quarterback. Like when you're not getting that quarterback thing, right. Then mm-hmm. kind of can undo you. And it's obviously too, is not the only issue there, as you said, but that's a pretty big deal. And uh, yeah, so it's kind of unfortunate that they're in that spot. Unfortunate for me that they did freaking win in week one. And like, you know, it's <laughs> not like incredibly deserved way but the Patriots just giving them the game basically because mm-hmm. they'd be winless right now and the Eagles might get the number one overall pick from them which is again crazy that that has happened and that you know trade up to, to move from from 12 to 6 to just so they can get Jalen Waddle is looking like a disaster and you know it kind of this thing is taken out a little bit because it's not like the Dolphins don't have a first round pick to work with this year still obviously they have the 49ers pick but still man to be giving up number one overall which like in theory if they wanted to replace to a because they, there's a more, you know, appetizing quarterback available, which there isn't necessarily. But if they did, or at least get a very, you know, other good a good prospect in a different position, they can do that now. And that's a big deal. And uh, I agree with you. If they weren't in the pit of misery already, then uh, we'd be throwing them in here at this point. Who is your next LVP? So I have it written down here as the Lions because yeah. uh, 44 to 6 just totally got stomped by the Eagles, who... And it's funny because, uh, you know, I went on Pride of Detroit, uh, their podcast and everything last week. Shout out to our good, you know, Detroit Lions coverage and a tough season for those guys. They're doing great work, you know, despite all of the, the losses and everything. And I was like, look, guys, I think you guys are going to get your first win of the season and not feel good about the Eagles. <laughs> and it's not like the Eagles are good. Like <laughs> for them to for the Eagles to crush this Lions team. I mean, it, it was just pathetic. Like the Eagles could run the ball at will. Um, and Jared, I think I have to give it to Jared Goff specifically because oh. like. I still think the Lions have a good thing going for them in the long term. Not to say like they're definitely going to be great, but like I don't think this losing means like they're not on the. I think they're on the right track. track. Like you know, you do. They're, they're, yeah, Why? <laughs> the roster is so bad. Stats like, and it's not the new GM fault. He just got here. Like it's right. not, this isn't a Harry Roseman situation. That that just look at the talent. Like they don't have any. And then further, everyone's hurt. Like and Jamal Williams got unexpectedly ruled out. Like they, they're just not working with much. And Jared Goff is terrible. Which terrible. is all right. I think I have to give it to him. Like he threw the ball away on fourth down again after doing it like a couple of weeks ago. Stats like he he was getting booed for it as he should be in Detroit. Like 
it's so hard to watch him. He's like unwatchable. He just at the slightest hint of pressure just totally crumbles. Like it's just like <laughs> there's no nothing he can do to avoid anyone. Um, I have to give it to them. I'm throwing the Lions and Jared Goff in the pit of misery. I'll, I will give the specific point to Jared Goff uh, instead of the Lions. But I mean, it's the whole thing is a mess. Yeah, you know, everyone kind of liked Dan Campbell because he says awesome things in press conferences. He's a funny guy. He's got a really good personality and I like him too. But at some point, like you got to do more than that on the field. And, you know, they got a lot of love because they played the 49ers tough in week one and almost came back and won that game. They played a bunch of teams tough, even though they were losing. But they've gotten kind of their doors blown in fairly recently here. And like that cannot happen. You know, if you're going to be the darling of everybody and the, the guy that gets the support, even though you're losing, you can't get crushed by the Philadelphia Eagles, a team who, you know, honestly, like, what are they this year? We don't know. You know, they're not they're certainly not the most impressive team in the NFC. And to be dominated the way that you were by them, that's when I start to really lose faith in you. In a game where Jalen Hurts didn't throw a touchdown pass and like completed or yeah, completed nine of his 13 attempts, like, like and you're losing wow. by 38 points. Like that's crazy. <laughs> uh so yeah, the Lions are down there. Again, maybe on the potentially, not definitely, but maybe still on the, the, the right track long term, but in the short term, just really terrible. And uh real contenders for that number one overall pick, which they currently are. Uh who is your sole LVP stats? I already did it. You did? The Dolphins. Oh, I duh. screwed up the I, order. Okay, yeah, that's that's why you, yeah, you screwed me up here. It's fine. Um, I have to. I didn't write it down in my sheet, so I wrote it down. Um, we're not going to edit that out, but we should because then <laughs> it would save me the embarrassment. But that's fine. The listeners can make fun of me for that. Um, my next LVP is also someone we talked about. It's Carson Wentz. Um, again, just really <laughs> any opportunity to give Carson Wentz an LVP and you jump at it. He deserves it, and all this talk about him, like, oh, he's fixed now. He looks great. Like for the because they why because they beat the Texans and the 49ers like because like that proves he's back on track and Frank Reich fixed him like I never bought that and clearly you're seeing that it wasn't legit because he goes out and he does what he does against the Titans and I gotta have it game that game was huge they, they needed that game to stay alive in the AFC South and you know maybe the Titans fall apart and the Colts go on a run and they still can but I mean like that's not likely at this point. And more concerning than anything, I think, is that, again, this is the same. You're not seeing Carson Wentz fixed. You're seeing these big mistakes, and they're never going to go away. They're never just going to, like, magically disappear. Like, this is who he is at this point. And the idea that the Eagles made some big mistake by giving up on him, it's just like, no, I never bought that. Um, the the Colts are kind of stuck with him. Like, they're stuck in this bad spot. It's He's, he's like, in a Kirk Cousins kind of tier at this stage in his career where he's kind of, like, too good to maybe move on from him, but he's not good enough to actually get you anywhere. So Colts are stuck and they're not in a good place and it wasn't a good trade. I would much, much rather have Kirk Cousins than Carson Wentz. The, the guys that we have seen with that, that bug, that instinct, whatever it is to just try and make a play at all costs, that doesn't leave them ever like i want to know the guy who has this incredible history of turnovers that suddenly all of a sudden turned it around and then stopped giving the ball away for the rest of his career if you want to say peyton manning because he set the rookie record for interceptions in his season maybe but i don't really hold a a quarterback's rookie year against him too much but like usually when a guy has that thing we've seen it with Jameis winston it just doesn't go away and it's clearly like you said it's not going away with carson Wentz. this is who he is 
that Peyton Manning thing always drives me nuts. It's basically used for like any young quarterback who struggles with all Peyton Manning. <laughs> sure. had, but well, it's like that was a different NFL though, too. Like passing mm-hmm. was not as easy as it is then than it is now. Like don't that's not a good example. Um, yeah, Carson Wentz is really struggling, uh, or at least when it comes to and just in the big moments too. And that's also another thing with Kirk Cousins, by the way. If I had an extra LVP point, I'd probably give it to Kirk Cousins because man, whoa, why? he's been good this year in big How moments. Do you- he's you freaking lost him to Cooper Rush stats in on Sunday Night Football in a must-have game. Like this is Kirk Cousins though; he always folds in the biggest. In the I'm not talking about like a one o'clock game where you're down. I'm talking about like in prime time in a must-win game. You never want to go to war with Kirk Cousins. You're lying if you're telling me otherwise. I just I don't like this whole primetime games count more than other games. Like, let's count everything the person does. If you go back and look at every game this season, pretty much now, obviously losing to the Cooper Rush is, is very, very bad. It's I'm unacceptable. Gonna... You can't it can't happen. That's bad. But go back and look at every game this season when the Vikings have needed a drive. He's gone down the field and gotten them points, whether it's a touchdown or a field goal every single who? time. The Lions. OK, great. Like you needed that to beat the Lions. He doesn't put the teams on the schedule, man. Like I'm not saying Kirk Cousins is the best quarterback ever. I'm saying I think that narrative is overblown. We remember the primetime performances more. You still get one win, whether it's primetime or whether it's buried in the scrum at one o'clock. And I just think that Kirk, because he's a human sweater vest, doesn't get the appreciation from people. I would much rather have Kirk Cousins than Carson Wentz. Not even close. Kirk Cousins has no intangibles. Like I was saying to my co-host, Jimmy Kemsky on BGN radio last week, that like if you could take like Jalen Hurts and intangibles and like fuse that with Kirk Cousins <laughs> passing talent, which I agree some of that, then you'd have a player there. But like, man, I think that guy is just negative intangibles. But anyway, this isn't about Kirk. He's not, he doesn't get an LVP point because I don't have another one to give, but I, I wish I could <laughs> give him one. Oh, and one more thing. We like to do oddities on this show, BLG. Are you aware of the Manning cast curse? No. So every active player that has appeared with Peyton Manning and Eli Manning on Monday Night Football on the Manning cast has lost the following week. Hmm. Are you buying into the curse? I mean, if you're a player and you're about to go on that broadcast, I mean, maybe you have to reconsider, right? I'm just saying, put your team first. You know, you don't mess with with certain streaks and stuff like that. I'm just saying, like, maybe it's not the best thing for you. I mean, what's the best thing that can happen, right? Like what you're saying, like, the best thing is that you don't, it doesn't happen. But like, you know, why play with fire? I totally agree. What's your stance on the Manning cast? I don't love it. I don't think it's as great Mm. as people say. It's okay. But I would rather hear like actual announcing than like just an interview with a player. So this is the part of the podcast where I plug the NFC East mixtape as we do pretty much whenever RJ Ochoa and I are on a podcast on the SB Nation NFL show. But we were talking about this a little bit last week. And I think we both agree that Eli just, I don't think he brings anything to the table. Like I don't think <laughs> Eli, there's really a big, we all wanted to see Peyton Manning, right? That was the big thing. It was like, we want Peyton Manning on Monday Night Football, like the actual, you know, the proper main line broadcast. Um, and I guess we're not going to get that. So I think having Peyton involved is good. And then like that's, and this seems to be like a good step in that direction of like figuring out maybe how to utilize him. That's what I want to see. I, I, I do enjoy here Peyton Manning talking about football. I like that, but I just don't, I don't think Eli brings anything. And I think this is kind of like a, like a beta thing. This is like a testing kind of like figuring out what they do with this. Um, So I kind of like it if it's like a step towards something. I don't really love it if it's like the final product here. 
And it's like John Stewart's coming on with them. Like, I don't care. And I love John Stewart, but like, I don't care when I'm watching a football game. It's the same reason I didn't care about Dennis Miller in the booth on Monday Night Football. Like, no, thank you. I want to hear Peyton. I want the moments for me that stand out are when he's like yelling at Mike McCarthy, like, Mike, call timeout, call time. Like, I want to hear him, how he sees the game and how he analyzes it and breaks it down. I don't care about anything else. And I agree with you. Eli doesn't really do much for me anyway. Uh, fun fact stats. John Stewart is from my hometown of uh, Lawrenceville, New Jersey. So there you go. I'm actually wearing a Lawrence sweatshirt right now, which people can't see, but I am. And uh, his name, we actually had the same English teacher, by the way, um, all those years later. And uh, born John Lebowitz. So there you go. Fun fact for no one that really cares. <laughs> I, I don't really know where to, to like. Yep. Did you sit in the same seat that, that John Stewart once sat in in the classroom? Uh, poss- probably not. Maybe potentially. I don't know. But we definitely did have the same English teacher. So look at that. Were you a front of the classroom guy or a back of the class? If I had to guess, I would say you were a back of the classroom guy. Why is that? Because I'm tall and I'm tall. Yep. Uh, no, uh, it kind of depends. I think, uh, you know, because there's, you know, there's different setups here. There's like sometimes the teacher lets you pick where you could sit. You know, other times you, you didn't have a choice. Um, sometimes it depends, like maybe if you kind of came to class a little bit later than your friend and you're kind of just sitting by them. Um, I would say in general, if I could pick anything, I kind of like closer to the door than further, just so I can like <laughs> get in and out. Boom, boom. Uh, first, you know, like, I, I like to, to kind of have that option there. Uh, what about you? I was front and center. Of course you were. What the heck is this? Front and center, first row, right directly in front of the teacher. Oh my every class, especially in college. That was I was totally that guy. No one is shocked by this answer. Everyone yeah. expected this. Probably true. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the Off Day Debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show brought to you by DraftKings. Again, please follow, rate, review, leave us a rating. We promise you, you know by now, if you leave us a rating and a review, we will read it on the show. Enjoy your week, BLG. I'll talk to you next week. We didn't talk about my 49ers at all. I'm very mad about that, but maybe we'll squeeze it in next week.